0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode on the Dill Journey podcast. What an awesome first episode speaking with Dan the Man over at Weapon Wear, creating a special brand that is promoting all the right aspects of physical and mental wellness. Truly inspiring stuff over there, Dan. Moving on to our next guest, Glenn Richards. It all started for Glenn as a boarder at TSS on the Gold Coast. He then moved on to studying veterinary science at Queensland University, where he found his passion to be a vet. After studying, he opened up his first clinic in Townsville, Australia. Fast forward 25 years later, he is the founder of Australasia's largest pet care company, Green Cross Limited. Just when you think he's done it all, he recently appeared on Shark Tank. When he's not doing business, he loves spending time with his family, stand-up boarding, and running. Now, without further ado, here it is. We're off and running. We're off and running. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, first of all, welcome to the podcast, Glen. Thanks, Dylan. Um, thank you for joining and agreeing to come on and share your story um i know you're a very busy man so obviously you're running all these businesses investors and everything like that what's something that's a bit like down to earth
1: that not a lot of people would know about you oh that's a hard question um look not a lot uh, look i uh i do like my my um my private time i do like uh heading up to noosa Uh, yeah i like i like uh, my stand up paddleboard and fighting yeah. with the rest of the surfers to get a wave at uh, Tea Tree and uh, the Nationals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a runner. I, I um, try and run at least three times a week. Yeah, and, wow. uh, I was stupid enough to put my name down for a marathon last week. How are you doing what marathon? Gold Coast. I'm doing the Gold Coast marathon as well. Oh, yeah? yeah. We'll yeah. See you see it at the start line? Yeah. See <laughs> the start I, pro- line. I probably won't <laughs> see it at the finish line, but uh, <laughs> what, what time are you hoping to do? To be honest with you, I'm just hoping to finish it. Like, yeah, best way to be. Yeah. Have you done a marathon
0: before? I've never done a marathon, so I've always been a water polo my whole life, yeah. so just uh, well, trying you, something new.
1: You'll meet yourself around about the 32K mark Yeah. and uh, discover who you really are. So I've, I've done two, Yeah. and I've never, I think never really felt you could call yourself a, a runner until you've done at least three marathons. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Otherwise you're just a jogger. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going back 13 years on, I'm going back to run my third marathon, so there wow. you go.
0: That's awesome. Love it. Um, so when you were a young boy, like let's say year 11, year 12, yep. what did you want to become?
1: Yeah, look, I, I still remember being in school and I, I, uh, one of my subjects I did was uh, ag science and we had yeah. to do this project there. It's almost almost a game around running the farm as a business and we're looking okay. at costs of production, we're looking at... Uh, prices of commodities and all those things, and and uh, I actually really enjoyed business. Yet I did mainly a science stream to get into veterinary science, mm-hmm. so I always had an interest in business, and um, um, I sort of rolled into veterinary science. My, my beginning of grade eleven, I was going to, I thought I was going to be an accountant. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm. Uh, we, have a, we had a property out at Richmond in North West Queensland, so out back Australia. Yeah. And um, my dad and I were, were driving the fence line just before I went back to start grade 11. I was a boarder yeah. uh, at TSS Southport. Yeah. And uh, dad said, what are you going to do when you finish school? And I said, well, I haven't given it a lot of thought, but I, I think I'm going to do accounting. I think mm-hmm. I'll become an accountant. And he stopped and looked at me and said, why don't you do something useful (laughs) (laughs) and I burst out laughing he said what do you mean what's wrong with being an accountant and he said well you know why don't you do something like veterinary science and he he put that idea in my head and I went back and changed my my subject stream to make sure I was doing a science related stream Mm. to get into veterinary science and um um I then enrolled in veterinary science did my my five years um, did a few years in australia and overseas before starting my first vet practice as a business owner and owner of veterinary practice so i did always have a bit of a passion for business yeah um but you sort of it's funny you 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 know it's one of those things if you start thinking about what i have to do to get there okay i want to be a business i want to be in business somewhere but opportunities come past your front door and a lot of us when those opportunities come past don't realise they're coming past and you've got to have good mentors around you and and peer mentors other people you know mates that you can talk to and go this is coming past my front door should I jump on it or should I continue to focus where I'm going and it's it's interesting because some of those opportunities that come past are actually the things you really want to you want to pursue like business so um, you know, you've got to be. You've got to be willing to be open to new ideas, to yeah. to be mentored by others, to hear their view of the world that may then influence how you attack the world.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but you bring your own passion and your own interpretation, your own direction. Absolutely, but you know, what do I want to be in grade eleven and twelve? You know, the world's your oyster. Yeah. At that age, you you're very capable. Just don't be arrogant. Yeah. You know, be humble enough to seek other people's opinions. Yeah. Um, you don't have to take them, but but definitely listen. And I think if I'd done anything better when I was that age, yeah. I would have respected my elders a lot more because, yeah. you know, when you're 16, 17, even through to your mid-20s, you have a, a sort of this humble arrogance to, to some degree that you don't know what you don't know, but you, you think you know everything. Yeah. And I think as I got older, I realised there's so much I don't know and yeah. i wish i'd spent more time with really good mentors simply asking the humble question what's your opinion on this yeah. whether you take it or not doesn't matter but what i've discovered the older i get so many of our elders are willing to simply have a coffee have a chat yeah and give you some advice or give you their opinion probably not give advice because if they start lecturing you you don't want to engage with them yeah if they simply this is how i see the world you take that thought bubble away and think about how you might apply that to your own situation yeah and don't be scared to go and ask you know people you look up to in your street in your community in your school in your university or wherever and simply ask them that humble question I've got a big decision to make or I'm thinking about could I, could I just have your opinion on the world on, on yeah. how you see things and take that away and if you've asked enough people maybe that will help you form a really smart decision about where you're going
0: yeah, definitely. Because I think um, one thing when you're you're a young person, you almost feel like everyone's out to get you. Yeah. And I think it's just in that school environment, like you're obviously competing to get the best OP. Yeah. And you never know if someone's trying to stab you in the back or something like that. So I think that's uh, one thing that sort of you know scares a lot of young people. But then once they realise that everyone just wants to naturally help them, yep. it's like that little light bulb, and that's one thing I've sort of noticed the past like, two, three months.
1: But I think reality, Dylan, most people are really decent people. Yeah. There's there's not that many dickheads <laughs> that really maliciously want to take you down. There yeah. are some, but most people genuinely just simply want to hope you succeed Yeah. and give you a bit of help, support, a comment, a bit of advice and opinion. Um, and you've got to be willing and humble enough to actually go and seek that out. Yeah. And I think as a young guy, I, I didn't do that enough. Uh, yeah. I did listen to my dad. I did listen to some mentors in, in, in my community and, and uh, in my world. I wish I'd done it more. Yeah. So you just made more people. Meet more people yeah. asking the question. You know, people are willing to share. People yeah. are willing to be part of, part of your, you know, your your support network, yeah, um, and that's why you know friends of your your family, friends of your parents. So you know, there's people that are successful or or who've experienced life. Mm. They will give you some of their advice and their, their learnings. Yeah. Because they bumped into some of the roadblocks that you're going to bump into, and it's okay to ask. And, you know, the point about OP, the trouble with grade 11 and 12, you're all out there beating the shit out of each other <laughs> to get the best OP because it's a ranking. Yeah, exactly. Which in some ways a bullshit system. Yeah. Once you're all at university, then it doesn't really matter. It's no. pass or fail. Yeah. That's the reality because it's you know yeah you, maybe if you if you end up with a university medal or straight yeah. you know high distinctions or sevens or whatever you may may push you into a into a different firm or a different career path but yeah. most of the time it's really you know generally just enjoying you know, the learnings you're getting out of being part of the education system
0: yeah definitely um, so that sort of leads me to the next question you briefly spoke about it how did you start this big company was it like a light bulb moment or was it what yeah. in the works like how yeah. did it start
1: you know it wasn't a light bulb I reckon a lot of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial view of the world is because you bump into a roadblock so yeah. I, was, I, was, I was doing veterinary science at Queensland University and final fourth year and fifth year you have to go out and spend time in uh, vet practices yeah. and I kept bumping into these older vets that hated being vets they, they really had had grown to a point that they, they were turning up to work simply because they had to pay mortgages and pay school fees and whatever and they they were stuck and I went back and spoke to um, an old professor of mine Trevor Heath mm-hmm. at Queensland University and said look I keep bumping into these older vets that are burnt out they're not that they're not enjoying you know they're not presenting a profession that I really want to mm-hmm. you know get involved with yeah he said, look, Glenn, um, you know, life, life's a journey. You're going to um, finish here at university, finish your veterinary degree. You're going to create a career out of what you need and want. You work out what you really want out of your, out of your life's journey and your business journey, and you go after that and don't get too hijacked by everyone else's negativity. And it was good advice. So you work yeah. out where you want to go and go after it. And um, I, I ended up in London as a young vet, but I still had this issue that we had uh, older vets that, that weren't enjoying the profession. We had younger vets that didn't last long in the profession. We had high emotional fatigue and burnt out, high suicide rates in our profession. So uh, yeah. a big a big desire of mine was simply to, to, to have a better career and a better profession and to enter an industry where I got a lot of enjoyment out of. And, mm. um, I was about to leave London and come back to Australia, and I, I rang at a vet practice in Townsville and said, Look, just interesting to know whether you want to sell me your vet practice and your little branch practice. And they said, No, we actually have a main hospital and a branch practice, but we are going to sell all of it. And I said, Wow, who knows? And they said, No one knows. And I said, Okay, well, look, um, what's the turnover? How many clients? Space of seven minutes, I'd actually done a handshake deal over the telephone from London back to Townsville to buy their vet practice. And uh, I said, Look, tell no one, be back in three months, we'll get the contracts done, and uh, I'll sort the funding out. Yeah, I've hung up and gone, Holy shit, what have I done? And uh, as most people in the in the in the early stage, business game, go, where the hell do you get your funding? It's friends, family and fools. Yeah. And uh, So I rang my dad, uh, friend and family, yeah. and uh, occasionally foolish, but uh, anyway, he just said, look, I'm interested in backing you, but I need to see a business plan. Yeah. And about two weeks later, I jumped, jumped on a train um, called the Trans-Siberian Express and, and I started writing a business plan to buy one vet practice in Townsville. Yeah. And the longer the trip went on, uh, I was drinking vodka with a few Russian traders Yeah. the more vodka we drank the longer the trip went on the bigger the business plan by the time I got back to Australia I developed a business plan to buy this vet practice in Townsville and then expand more like a franchise model a network of vet hospitals across Australia wow and uh, when I got back I pitched my dad and he said look I'll lend you the money for the vet practice in Townsville but perhaps you just focus on that vet practice in Townsville which was again good advice yeah you know instead of trying to sprint straight away, maybe I should just crawl along and get an understanding of the business and how to grow a vet practice in the Townsville community. And and I did that. So, about 2006 was an opportunity to take my vet practice in Townsville, uh, join up with some guys here in Brisbane into a co-op with uh, John Odleham and Keith Knight. We we formed a co-op. Uh, A year or two later, a couple of guys turned up wanting to buy some management services. We then took our co-op and rolled it into a corporate model, and next thing we listed a a small public company in 2007, uh, and that was with 32 clinics, and that was the start of the Green Cross journey, and from 2009 till 2014, we grew obnoxiously fast and uh, developed a network of of vet clinics. Um, Meanwhile, I helped start a, a network of pet stores called Pet Barn two different teams we grew a network of pet stores and vet hospitals and in 2013 2014 we decided to merge it all together and, and put Pet Barn as a merged entity into our public listed company Green Cross Limited um, yeah. to create the largest um, um, consumer facing pet care company in Australasia so that's yeah. Yeah, pretty exciting times but, sure. It's one of those things, started the plan, kept resetting the plan, kept yep. lifting lifting our view of the world and having good mentors around, including board members and others that, that help lift your vision. Um, you know, we didn't start out wanting to be the biggest vet group in Australia, but just sort of evolved and each 90 days we'd reset our business plan okay. and our big, hairy, audacious goal and our vision for the future um, just seemed to grow and, and we got better at the execution yeah. We just it grew, and and our capability improved. We put great team members in. We put very skilled um, and experienced managers into the business, um, in pet stores and vet clinic side. And, and you know, we developed the capability of rolling up or rolling out vet store, vet clinics, and pet stores. And as I said, we eventually merged the both businesses together. Yeah, wow. So yeah, exciting times.
0: So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you talked about. A little roadblock being the funding, yep. was that the biggest roadblock or was there an, like another certain factor where you're like, oh, I don't know if this business is going to float
1: anymore? Oh, look, I remember sort of getting the funding right uh, way back when I started my first one. Yeah. And then as a, as a entrepreneur and a business owner, you also have to grow your own skills. You know, I started off the vet clinic with me and um, one receptionist and two nurses. And I was then doing the marketing, the bookkeeping, and all those disciplines of running a business as well as being the guy who was the business, the clinician in the front yeah. line. So you've got to grow those skills. And over time, I you know, handed the bookkeeping over, I handed the marketing over, I put a business manager on, um, but grew it up. And the same was you know, when it was a little business and then we suddenly became, a, evolved into a public company, recognising that you can't be good at everything. Mm. and I still remember within the first year going you know I'm out of my depth got 300 staff um, we weren't sinking we're delivering good good financial numbers but it was a tough time because as I was a vet and had 60 staff in Townsville suddenly I had 300 staff and I had to grow personally as a CEO Yeah. and I had a lot of people questioning whether I was capable of growing or whether we should find a new CEO and put me into a different role in the company so mm-hmm. you know those those things causes you to question your own capabilities and yeah. I guess um, I had a passion and a desire to grow this network of of uh, clinics across Australia uh, and that therefore I had to in, with the help of my chairman um, who mentored me quite strongly that that I needed to grow as a person and a leader and as a CEO so spend a fair bit of time re-educating myself and growing my capabilities mm-hmm. putting together a, a team capable of taking our our company national yeah. uh, putting you know, good CFO in good COO in head of marketing um, better better systems of managing our people and supporting our people um, better IT platforms you know, creating platforms that were about long term sustainable growth um, so pretty pretty exciting times but at the same time you know you've got to grow individually and personally and develop more skills as those challenges keep coming at you or you realize maybe maybe your skill set is not right and be brave enough to call it out and hand over to someone else yeah yeah you know, that's the, that's always the challenge of business yeah you start it here you get it to here are you still the right person to go forward with the journey
0: yeah. So you like briefly spoke about the personal development side. So yeah. what have you done to like sort of make sure that you really know your why, and yep. when it does come down to crunch, that you can like have that in the back of your mind and you believe in yourself.
1: Yeah. Look, it's it is about your core purpose and your core values. Um, I, you know, had a deep, deep, strong view that that I'd grown up as a vet inside the vet industry. I knew how to run successful veterinary practices in a, in a small ecosystem or a community in Townsville. Yeah. So I thought I had the capability but I had to work on things like um, my, my business acumen and uh, understanding financial accounts and how to, how to analytically think and strategically think about you know, the next three to five years and the resources I'd need to do that. And you do that in a team environment. You have others that help you and assist you in that thinking, like your CFO and your CIO and your board. Um, But I I would make sure every three months I'd go to some sort of workshop, be it through the Australian Institute of Company Directors, be it through the Australian Institute of Management. Um, I was avidly reading so many biographies and business Mm. development books on how to analyse financial records through to how to market a professional services business to yeah. you know, all that stuff. So lots of reading, lots of workshops, and made sure I had four or five mentors or peer mentors that okay. that I could have access to because you know, it's not one size fits all. You know, yeah. one mentor can't provide you with all the answers in no. that area. But you know, something I'd like meeting with, with 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 a friend of mine that was strong in IT, meeting with a friend of mine that was strong in in mentoring CEOs. So you know, these these different people did actively help with my journey yeah. um, and assembling a team around me that made, and so my number one job was highlighting what we're trying to achieve, the why, what was the big vision, I wanted to create a network of high quality vet practices across Australia and provide excellence in vet care to our passionate pet owners across Australia yeah. that was the why yeah. and making sure that we then were in a collaborative network of, of vet clinics and people worked in those vet clinics that could then grow off each other and collaborate and, and help each other. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, a pretty important journey we we're on to what I think was improve the veterinary industry and uh, and to look after our people better and look after our, our clients and patients better.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And now uh, moving on to the next stage of your life with the investing side, getting yep. into Shark Tank. I know when I was a little kid, well, not a little kid, like, I don't know, two, two years ago, three years ago, watching it. Yeah. I see you on there. And now i'm interviewing you and i'd just like to know like what was it all about like was it a good experience <laughs> and
1: uh, it was an accident being on the show <laughs> ben, i can tell you uh, they'd already filmed season one yeah and uh one of the guys pulled out to go and float his company and mm-hmm. there was a spare seat and all the other sharks uh had to go and try and help recruit someone to fill that fifth seat and um, all the sharks put up different names and steve baxter um, I'd met a few times and uh, we'd been out for a dinner yeah. and uh, Steve said can I put your name up and I said absolutely not uh, by the end of dinner. Um, yeah. We'd drunk a fair few glass of red wine by that stage and uh, he asked me again and my wife said yeah put his name up absolutely of course he wants to be on the show. I go no I don't. <laughs> anyway we had, went through a, a process of, of you know the producers going through these names that have been put up. Yeah, I did a screen test, and I think it was about trying to match up the different personalities to get a different perspective on business. It's mm-hmm. so all quite different. We all got on yeah. quite well. Yeah. Um, so there I was, ended up on Shark Tank, and uh, had a ball. It was lots yeah. of fun. Yeah. Absolutely met some fantastic, you know, early stage and sort of middle stage scale up entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, had a ball with, with the other sharks on the set. They're you know, they're very, very smart business people and mm-hmm. it was great to we just chew the fat between between uh pitches and yeah. talk about business and life and you know we've all now quite good friends. Yeah, awesome. Um it's just a, a good experience and the other thing that, you know, it was important that we were helping to educate and I guess uh, the business community, the early stage of business communities across Australia, yeah. helping I guess educate and hopefully inspire yeah. um, school kids and university students to want to have a crack at business, yeah, uh, the right. entrepreneurial yeah. motivation there. Um, so we thought we'd do you know it was an important it was an important thing having Shark Tank go to air and uh, mm-hmm. inspire others to have a crack, yeah. uh, but in a really disciplined way. You know we yeah. did a lot of education around the importance of planning and and having mentors and advisors around and how to go to market and you know all those things were were things that we we highlighted and talked about on the show definitely um and so i still have a number of shark tank investments but at the same time i guess where i spend a lot of my time right now is in um is in healthcare and, and sort of scale up size companies that that grow and become Public companies, or or just continue on a on a private company, yeah, uh, but but continue to scale up.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. So it sounds like it was a it
1: was a good uh, experience. Sensational experience, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, most of us never get the opportunity. It's one of those opportunities that went past the front door. Yeah, my kids all said to me it was an important opportunity. I should go for it. Yeah. Uh, since that's what I tell them all the time. So yeah, yeah, you know, easy opportunity to be on TV and. You lose mm-hmm. yourself in the world of lights, camera, action. Yeah. It was different. Lots of fun.
0: Yeah, awesome. And um, you spoke a bit about family life and a bit of social life. How yep. do you manage to balance all them with business? Because I think sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, good work, um, you know, 16 hours a day, grind it all out, but then they burn out, and it's just like
1: finding that balance. Look, it, it, and you say balance, and, and it, it, I read uh, The One Thing. I can't remember the author's name, but the book is called The One Thing, and there's yeah. a chapter... On balance and there's no such thing as balance (laughs) it's counterbalance so when I was growing Green Cross from when we listed it to when I exited sort of seven years eight years on as the CEO um, it's not a lot of balance I was Monday to Friday anywhere in Australia but I promised my my family Friday night to Monday morning I'd be home on weekends and I'd make sure I went to important events in their life Mm -hmm. Uh, but Monday to Friday it was go for it uh, to grow this business yeah um, and I you know it was almost 10 years straight of hard yards. Yeah. Um, and it's bloody tough on on your friendships uh, yeah. and damn tough on your on your family uh, yeah. and then you hopefully swing back so that's I've moved on I now have a beautiful working schedule each week. It sounds busy, but it's not so bad. You know, I've got full-on management teams and CEOs and everyone else running the business, and I'm there as their backup strategist and and mentor and board member or whatever. So I get really good time with my family now. I get time for me. That's why I'm now training to run a marathon again after 13 years. Um, I play golf, um, and I have time for business, friends, and family. So, you know, you, you almost you know when you, you're burning that you've got to reach a point where yeah. you, you pull back again otherwise you end up getting sick your relationships end up, end up diminishing you you know, you know lose your family so you've got to be very careful about managing those things that are important to you and, and you do it for a defined length of time and make sure they understand the journey you're on and yeah. they come with you in making those decisions um, so you know at times when you're trying to start a business and go for it then you do get out of balance mm. or you go counterbalance um, and then you gotta come through that and almost repay that. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's probably a nice interpretation in, in the one thing, this counterbalance idea. Yeah, so I'm, I'm you know, back to karma lifestyle, doing things I love with people I love.
0: Yeah, awesome. It's taking a step back. and Taking a step back. What you
1: love. Yeah, and look, I could still go hard. And a lot of, I look at, I'm a Gen X. I'm first to the Gen Xs. Yeah. And I think we're always better at work hard, play hard. Yeah. The baby boomers, the boomers, there's no throttle off. They're still going for it. (laughs) And wondering why they're blowing up their relationships and their friendships and their, you know, and and suddenly they stop working and they drop dead. Yeah. So, you know, I think Gen X... Whereas Gen Y is even better at getting their life and their lifestyle under control. So, you know, there's better meaning to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, that leads me to the last question. Um, If you had any advice to give a young entrepreneur out there to take that leap of faith, um, what
1: would it be? Okay, you've got to get this right. You've got to make sure you put some time into the planning. Try and predict the future a little bit around Mm -hmm. understanding where your journey might go financially people you need to bring on it, um, try and predict customer engagement with whatever you're doing, be it product or service. So you've got to put a bit of time into the planning phase. During that planning phase, start assembling some mentors and peer mentors around you that are going to give you some advice. um, So you start de-risking some of those big decisions. At the end of the day, you're going to have time and money that you're putting at risk. Your Mm -hmm. time, because I've seen entrepreneurs flogging a dead horse for 10 years and wondering why someone didn't smack him over the head earlier and say, you're not going in the right direction or this is not worth pursuing as hard as you're going and and give you that sort of advice. Whether you take it or not, that's fine. But I think, you know, good planning, good mentors and you're always assembling a team to assist you with the journey. So you're de-risking. And absolutely, you know, make sure you're studying other people's success stories what worked in america or what worked in the uk what worked here in the australian business environment and taking ideas from that to apply to your own situation yeah so don't have arrogance be humble mm-hmm. business is tough and you yeah. need to make sure that you deeply respect the toughness of being in business and therefore you you're listening to mentors you're putting time into planning getting the people factor <coughs> right get your funding in place Try and predict how long that funding will last and your cash flows um, you know it's it's these the sort of things and then you've got to be patient mm-hmm. and the trouble with a lot of young people is it's got to happen tomorrow oh, tell me they, about it and they blow it up <laughs> yeah. rather than being patient you know you only live to 100 yeah. slow down a little bit make sure you have challenging big hairy audacious goals and a big vision that you're pursuing but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to happen within 12 months yeah. it's okay to build on and build on you know good platforms so you know, people, get it right. Plan, mentors, um, be patient, mm-hmm. and whatever you do, you've got to be passionate about. Yeah. And that passion carries you and assembles other, other people to join your journey, and that passion carries you day to day. And when you stop being passionate about that that, that business you're, or whatever your goal you're pursuing, maybe you've got to take some time out, mm-hmm. repair yourself, or go and find some mentors to help you make some big decisions about whether you're pursuing the right goals.
0: Yeah, awesome. I think you've nailed that right in the head. And um, thanks for joining the podcast and agreeing to come on. Um, and I hope someone out there has got something from it and they're going to take that leap of faith. So Thanks, Dylan. Well, yeah. Great
1: to meet you and you're you. your, uh, exciting guy. I know that we're <laughs> going to hear more about you. So good yeah. luck with your journey. Thank you. Jeez. Awesome.
0: Thanks again to Glenn for jumping on. Learned so much from that interview and I'm extremely grateful that I could interview such a significant person in the business world. I hope you, the listener, got something out of it as well. So much gold from it. Tune in next time as I change tides and interview superstar Nick Marshall, arguably the best physio on the coast with his extensive knowledge in the surf. He also loves to give back to the sport, creating Albatross Nippers, a registered charity that provides programs for inclusive nippers across multiple surf clubs in southeast Queensland. Get excited everyone, enjoy your day and make it your priority today to put a smile on someone else's face.